I want you to imagine with me tonight that right where I'm standing here is where you're at in your spiritual walk. So you're going to do a little analyzation here. Where I'm standing here is where you're at in your spiritual walk right now. And I want you to imagine that over here somewhere is like this goal you've got in your life for where you want to be in your spiritual walk. So that's where you are. And this is where you want to be. This is like where, you know, I talked this morning about Brother Gerard. Like in my prayer life, I'm there and he's like right here. I got this goal. And then Christ, I mean, he's somewhere, you know, over here. Now, I want you to imagine again that you're here. Your goal, that ideal for you is over there. Let me tell you what I think a lot of, a lot of people do. They think to themselves, okay, Dan talked this morning about prayer and my prayer life's here, but I want to be over there. But I think if I take like this one big, huge, giant step, I can get there in one try. And they go, and then they don't get there. And they say, oh, fine. I just give up. I'm not going to do it. I give up. I can't do it. I can't be a Christian like I want to be a Christian. So I'm just going to quit. And the problem is, we forget that in order to get over there, you got to do this. And then you got to do this. Then you got to do this. Then you got to do this. This is called a process of time. And tonight, as I talk to you about what are you going to do with your faith, I don't want you to kind of get this unrealistic view and say, oh, I can't do that. It's too much. It's overwhelming. I want you just to say tonight, as you go through this message together, I want you just to say, I can take that first step. I can do that much. Because that's all Christ is looking for. Christ isn't looking for super people. Because if he was looking for super people, he sure wouldn't let me stand on the stage and speak tonight. And I want to tell you, that as we look at a Bible story from the book of Daniel, chapter 2 and 3, you're going to see yourself in the, I'm going to put you, if you don't see yourself in the story, I'm going to take you and put you in the story. And I want you to say to yourself tonight, what am I doing with my faith? Now, let me take you all the way back to Daniel chapter 2. You'll know if you've heard any Bible stories, you've heard the story of Nebuchadnezzar. And he was this great king of Babylon. And he was able with power and great force to go and take over the land of Jerusalem. And when he took over the land of Jerusalem, he took captive several of the Israelites. You'll remember these names, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he took them back to his royal palace and he put them in some authority. And then one night he had these dreams and he dreamed certain things and he woke up. And when he woke up, he was troubled by these dreams and he thought, man, oh man, what do these dreams mean? So he called in all of his people because he had people around him just like, you know, if he wanted something like, boom, they're there. They're taking care of it. Massage my back. Whoop. They were massaging his back. Rub my feet. Shoop, they were there rubbing his feet. He had power. Incredible power. And so he called in his what they call soothsayers. And he said to them, what am I? Here's my dream. Tell me what it meant. They couldn't answer. So then he called in his 1-800-PSYCHO people. He said, come here, 1-800-PSYCHOS. What does my dream mean? And they're like, we don't know. And then somebody said, King Neb, so I'll call him for tonight's message. King Neb, there's a guy in the kingdom that you brought over from the Israelite nation. His name is Daniel. He's pretty good at interpreting dreams. He told me one of my dreams the other day. It freaked me out. The dude can flat out interpret dreams. So Nebuchadnezzar said, bring Daniel to me. Now, you know, you know and understand that Daniel had heard these other dudes had come to Nebuchadnezzar. And when he could not, they could not interpret the dreams, the Bible says he kind of cut their heads off. And when you come to King Nebuchadnezzar with the power he had, when he says interpret your dream, you better make something up. Am I doing that, guys? 
Am I? Am I moving too quick? So he said to them, bring Daniel to me. Daniel came to him and Daniel started to interpret his dream. In fact, Daniel prayed and asked for the Lord to interpret it for him and give him the wisdom and give him the guidance and, and, and God gave it to him. And so Daniel said to King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, here's your dream. And he starts telling him his dream and Nebuchadnezzar's like, whoa, how do you know this stuff? And he's like, well, you know, the God of gods is my God and I prayed to him. I don't serve like man-made gods like you, Nebuchadnezzar. I, I got the God of God on my side. I, I really have faith in him and, and he gave me the interpretation to this dream and Nebuchadnezzar's like, whoa. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar's words are recorded in Daniel chapter 2, verse 46. Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel. In other words, he just fell flat on his face. He said, Daniel, you get my honor. And he ordered that an offering of incense be presented to him. And the king presented to, to Daniel and said, Surely your God's the God of gods and the king of kings and the Lord of lords and the revealer of mysteries. For you were able to reveal this mystery. Daniel 2, 48, I'm up to. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and he placed him in charge of all of his wise men, the ones that were left. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, administrators over the province of Babylon. And while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. And then Nebuchadnezzar did the stupidest thing. Just, man, he just had this dream interpreted. He just fell down and said, Daniel, you are the man. But, but see, he didn't fall into a personal relationship with God. He fell into a relationship with a man. See, that's another trouble we have with our faith sometimes. We got our faith based on somebody that we got on a pedestal, and when they fall off the pedestal, our faith falls off with them. See, the Bible teaches us that our faith needs to be in God and not in man. And King Nebuchadnezzar, having put his faith in Daniel and not in the God of gods, look what he did in chapter 3. He made an image of gold 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. So let's take the ceiling here. That's probably like 50. So double this. He gets this image of gold. Now get this. He put it out in the plain of Dura. So there's really flat land. Go in your mind. Drive out to like where you've been outside of Marion a little bit. One of those flat cornfields after they just mown them down. And there it is. Flat open field. Go out there and put this 90 foot high statue made out of solid gold. Oh, the dude doesn't mess around. When he builds something, he gets all serious. So 90 feet high. Solid gold statue. Nine feet wide. So when you saw it, it's like, whoa, what's the king building there? Ah, just playing around with a little gold he's got left over in the storage. He's building a 90-foot-high statue full of solid gold. Whoa! What's he going to do with that puppy? Well, well, when he gets it finished, we're going to get to worship it. Oh, great, another thing to worship. So that's what began to happen. You will read here. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates. In other words, the government system. So it was. He summoned all them to come to the dedication of this image he had made. Again, he was going to be able to go, look at what I made for you, boys. Check it out. So he brought them all together. And then the herald loudly proclaimed, this is what you're commanded to do, O people, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, basically an orchestra, as soon as you hear the orchestra go do to do kind of thing, when you hear that, you must fall down and worship the image of gold King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever, here it is, here's the phrase. Whoever does not fall down and worship this image will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. And you, I'm going to tell you, they knew about this blazing furnace. They had heard in the past how when it gets hot, it's hot. 
So when he said blazing furnace, I'm sure the people of that Babylonian area were like, furnace? Did you say the furnace? Yeah, the furnace. And the king said, whenever he goes do 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 with all that stuff, you got to fall down and worship the gold statue or you're going to be thrown into the blazing furnace. You say, where do I fit in this story? You're coming. Just hang on. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, the orchestra play the toot, 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 all the people, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Verse 8, at the same time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said, hey, King Neb, listen, oh, King, look how they start off here. Oh, King, that's another thing that drives me nuts about people. You know what people love to do? They love to talk about you, but act like they're not talking about you. This, this, these guys came up to King Nebuchadnezzar all acting like they were all they had a bad goal in mind but they wanted to get on his good side so they started off by saying oh king you are man you are the king whoa what a statue oh king we just, it's awesome we just love what you've done out there that statue woo and they were all pumped up about it and then, and then watch, this, watch how subtle Satan creeps in he's just getting all rubbed up and buttered feel like he's really something and then they say but, but oh king you issued a decree that everyone who hears that tu-tu-tu sound, that they are supposed to fall down and worship or they'll be thrown in the blazing furnace. Right, King? Oh, that's right. That's exactly right. Well, well King, you know those Jews you brought in here? That Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know those guys? They pay no attention to you, King. They don't serve your gods and they don't worship the image of gold you've set up. Then verse verse 13. This is what you did not want to see the king do. Furious with rage, the Bible says. Furious with rage, King Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and all these men were brought before them, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true? Here's your chance. Is it true, three boys, that you do not serve my God or worship the image gold I have set up? Now, now, look at this. Now, before they even had a chance to answer. Now, boys, here's the phrase. When you hear the sound, do, 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 and all kind of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not, they are standing smack dab in front of him. But if you do not, you will be thrown into that blazing fire. Then what God will be able to rescue you from me? What God will be able to rescue you from me? You students need to know you're living in a world that's basically looking you in the face and saying, all right, here's the rule. Secular reigns. Society is in control. It's the economy, stupid. And they look at you and say, what are you going to do with your faith? You're going to bow down and worship the economy? You're going to bow down and worship society standards? Are you going to bow down and begin to worship the fact that abortion is okay and it's certainly what God would want? Are you going to fall down and worship all this stuff? Or are you going to let us as a society rip you apart and call you a radical idiot for following this Christ guy? There's your choice. Because you see, these guys were standing right in front of the king who had all the power. And he said to them, either you do what I say and disobey your God or you're going down and it's over for you. And so as I visualize us, I'm going to take you right now out of your seat and I'm going to put you in front of this king and I'm going to ask you a question right now. What would you do with your faith right there? 
And the way I see it, you've got several options. One of the easiest and quickest options that I think many of us choose in that very moment is this one. A, you've got the opportunity to fake it. Because you know what those three boys could have done? They could have looked at the king and said, uh, uh, okay, king, one second. We just need like a half second to huddle. Is that okay? Oh, go ahead, boys. No problem. Go ahead. Okay. They could have said, hey, guys, listen. listen, listen. You know what? Let's do. Let's just kind of uh, do that kneel down worship thing. We won't mean it. We won't really do it. You know, it's not really what our heart believes. Let's just fake it. Hey, good idea, Shad. That's what we'll do. We'll bend around and go, whoo, whoo. And when we get back up, we won't mean it. So... They could have turned around and said, oh, King, you're the man. That's right, that's right, that's right. Whatever they needed to do, they could have done it. They could have faked it. And I want to tell you something tonight. There's a lot of people going to church who are faking it. I said to you this morning that I spend my life talking about marriage and family. And I sit my family down every now and then. We seek to have dinner together, our four children, my wife and myself. We seek to have dinner together. And every so often, I just say to my family, hey, guys, listen, I, I'm out there talking. And I'm out there saying stuff about marriage and family and life and loving your kids and being a good dad. I said, do you guys think I'm fake? And I say, guys, the reason I'm asking that question is if you ever see me up there talking, you ever hear me out there or you hear comments about me, I don't want you to say, oh, man, I'd hate for them to really know my dad because my dad's fake. I said, guys, I don't ever hear that. So, so sometimes when I'm really bold, really got a lot of guts, feeling pretty good about myself. I'll say to my family at the table, uh, I got a little question for you kids tonight. I'll say, show me something that I do that when I'm like 60 years old, I'm probably going to go, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. So I'll say that to my kids. I'll say, what does your dad do sometimes? It's, it's kind of fake. And if other people knew it, I'd be embarrassed. What is that thing? I said, because I don't want you guys to have to see that because I don't want to be fake. And, and so one night I asked that question and my little five-year-old daughter, Anna, she said, I got something, daddy. I got something to tell you. I was like, oh man, okay. And I said, now this is something that in a few years I'm going to re be really sad if I don't change it and not do that anymore. She, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> she said, I need to get up from the table to show you. I said, okay, no problem. So she got up from the table and she went over here and she said, Daddy, this is something you do all the time and when you get older, you're going to wish you wouldn't have done it so much. And I said, what's that? She said, you ready? I said, I'm ready. And she said, you say this. Anna, go clean your room. 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 And I said, baby, yeah, you need, to, you need to clean your room. She said, but not so much, Daddy. <laughs> and I said, that's, that's pretty good one. That's a pretty good one. And my 15-year-old son said, I got one, Dad. <laughs> He's always trouble. And I said, what is it? He said, well, I need to get the remote and lay on the couch to show you. I said, Okay. So he got up from the table and he walked over to the couch and he laid down on the couch. He got the remote control and he turned it to ESPN. Just like his dad. And he said, now dad, here's something you do a lot that I don't think you'd want other people to know. I said, what's that son? He said, you know, dad, the dog, we got a dog named Air Jordan. He said, when the dog's outside and the dog is like barking like crazy. I said, yeah, that drives me nuts. He said, you lay on this couch 
and you, you, don't, you don't get off the couch. And my wife's name is Jane. He said, all you do, Dad, is you lay on the couch and you go, Jane, go get that dog and kill him. She said, you say all the time. And I said, come on, God, I don't do that. My whole family in unison went, uh-huh. And I said, guys, I didn't see that. They said, you've been doing that a long time, Dad. And I said, uh, that's not a good example, is it? My wife said, no, honey. She said, in the summertime, I like running and pull down the windows because I don't want to hear the neighbors hear you going, Jane! <laughs> I want to tell you something. If I could go to your roommate tonight, if I could go to your sweet mate tonight, if I could go to the person that you are maybe sharing an apartment with tonight and say to them, do, do you see anything in them? that doesn't match up with where they say they are in their walk with Christ? Is there anything you spot like on a daily basis or weekly? Is there anything you could point out to me that kind of indicates they might be faking their faith and they don't live the same way in here as they live when they're on stage or when they live when they're in... Do you ever see any stuff that's fake there? What would they say to me? Would they say, no way, man, I got it. Because I'm going to tell you something. I'll share several different little goals in my life with you. One of my goals in my life is this. If you ever ask my wife what I'm really like, you will be surprised because I'm better than you thought I was. My wife knows me inside and out. She knows my worst and my best. You don't. A couple of you here have been my neighbors in the past know a little bit about me. You've heard me go, Jane! And so I, I know you know me. But by and large... The one who knows me best is her, and above that is the Lord Jesus Christ who knows me best of all. And I do not want to be a person, and I don't want to be a person. I don't want you to be a person that fakes it. I hope you're as sick and tired of me of fake people. And you're going to change and make sure you set a standard. You say, my parents have lived like fake all their life, Dan. Like my dad's this big Sunday school teacher at church. And, and my mom, she like sings in the choir and does a lot of solos. But Dan, they, they don't live the way that, yeah. And, and that's why I'm saying to you, make sure, make sure you keep your eyes on Christ. Because if you keep your eyes on people, you avail. And tonight I'm saying to you, first of all, with your, with, with your faith, are you faking it? Because these three boys, they could have faked it. A second little option I think those boys had that day is they could have flirted with it. <laughs> A lot of people flirt with their faith. Oh, they say they got faith. And they want to talk a good talk. And when they walk, they can say things like, well, how you doing? Bless God, praise Jesus. Well, the Lord be praised. He's glorified in your holy name. They can talk all that and junk all they want. But they're flirting with it. Some of them do this. Some of them do this. Some of them, uh, some of them have these little spiritual ladders. And they climb them when they need to. You know, when they need to talk a little holy, it's like, well, yeah, they're hanging out maybe with a couple of their friends. They're not in the most spiritual setting they get in, but when they need to, they can climb up their little eight-foot ladders and they can say, well, you know, yeah, that's right, yeah. And they, they can pray. Even if somebody calls on them, they can pray a decent prayer. God, thanks for this food, amen. They're able to do that because they flirted with God enough that they know enough God language that they can look like they're following Him, but they're really not. And they have other times when they 
climb up a little taller ladder when they're hanging out a little, little more spiritual people. And they, they, they climb up that ladder so they can look a little more spiritual. So they got all these ladders. And sometimes when they go to church, they go up this really big one. And they, holy, 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 Lord. And they get up here and they look all spiritual. Wouldn't, wouldn't you like to go back to your home church and knock these ladders out from under some of the people? I get so sick and tired of people who flirt with their faith. Oh, they live up here on Sunday, but boy, come Monday, they scoop back down that puppy so they can go to work and screw people over in their financial dealings. And they do all kind of stuff that they shouldn't do because they're flirting with their faith. They're flirting with their faith. Not really living for Christ. They're religious. You know what Christ said about those people? I mean, we're pretty kind in the church these days. Christ called them a brood of vipers. He said, you're a bunch of snakes. He went in churches and called people snakes. How would you like that? Next time you have a guest speaker at your church, he comes in and say, you, 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 a bunch of snakes is what you are. I mean, they'd be like, he's out of here. No more. Don't send him a check. It'd be over right there. <laughs> but if we really call this uh, what it is, there's a lot of people who are nothing more than kind of winking at God. Hey, God, hey, God. You're the big fella. I need you today, okay? Flirting with him. It's almost like they picked him up at a vending machine or something. <laughs> just flirting with him. Not serious. Don't really want a relationship. Just flirt. There's a whole other group of people, I think. Group of people who are flipping him off. And I want to tell you something. Let me tell you why there's a group of people out there flipping Christ off. I'll tell you why. Because they've been watching all those fakers and flirters. I know a lot of people won't have anything to do with Christ because they've been watching all these people and say, well, if that's Christianity, I don't want it. I, I have found myself... Because the Lord's given me opportunity to go into corporations now and speak. We have a secular radio show. We're working right now on a, on a secular television type show for families. And I have found myself going to those places and finding. I, I'm sharing uh, the principles of the Bible without necessarily quoting scripture. Recently in a, a major, in fact it was in Grand Rapids, in NBC Studios in Grand Rapids. And I was sitting there meeting like with the people who are in charge, the president and all those people. And I was sharing with them these principles. I said, here's what families need. And when I say the family family principle. I don't quote scripture, but I tell them the same thing that I would say except some chapter and verse. And they say to me, oh, that's so good. Where are you getting this stuff? And I go in my mind, I think, you're so hungry for it. But there's no way you'd go to church and hear this, is there? There's no way you'd go to church because you think church is nothing but a bunch of fakes. And I want to tell you, listen, student body, let me, let me tell you why I'm here tonight. I want to tell you the honest truth about why I'm here tonight. When I got the call to say, would you go down here and speak at Spiritual Emphasis Week? I was like, Lord, I don't know if that's what I'm supposed to do. And my wife said to me, Dan, I want you to go and I want you to share what the Lord's put on your heart because these students are the world changers. I was like, babe. She's like, go. If we're going to change this world, it's going to start with that kind of a study body because we got to get the fakers out of there. And these students will listen to you. Dan, you go in these churches and those brood of vipers sit there. Mm -hmm, they pay you your money and you leave. 
but those students, they don't pay you a dime, but they'll listen to you. I want you to know tonight that if you're like me, you don't want to see people flip Christ off because they've seen a fake person acting like Christ in the past. And you want them to see an authentic Christ. I know you're generation enough to know that you love authenticity. You want the truth. Don't try to smooth you. Don't try to hide it. Just tell me the facts. That's what you want. And I'm saying to you, that's what you're going to get with me. That's what you're going to get from Christ. And I believe that's what you need to give to a lost and dying world that you're out there hanging out with. They need to see an authentic Christ in you. Listen, who every once in a while flat out just screws up and looks right at him and says, you know what, I'm a follower of Christ and I really botched that. I'm sorry. I was playing basketball the other night. And when I, you know, I, I, with my ministry, the Lord has blessed my ministry as I have humbled myself before Him. He has, he has allowed me to speak in places. I'm going to talk some about that too. He's given me chances to talk to people that I never would have dreamed I'd got the opportunity to speak to. It's unbelievable, but every bit of it came. But what I was showing you this morning, that prayer and tomorrow morning, I'm going to teach you another little principle that the Lord changed my life with. And, and I want you to know that in the process of dying to myself, I used to want to speak at these kind of events. And I used to think I'd, I'd be a good speaker for that. I I used to want to speak at the youth convention. I'd be like, oh man, I'd like to speak there. And I never would get the call. And then when I said, okay, Lord, I give up. I can't do it. Then I got the call. It's like, oh, wait a minute. I think it's because I was trying to do it for self before. And maybe now I'm trying to do it for Christ. Ah. Ooh. And as I began to humble myself, the Lord blessed my ministry. And you know what's still alive in me? I don't know why it is. There's only one area that I'm incredibly, incredibly competitive. When I walk out on a basketball court, I am 40 stinking years old. Every one of you in this room who like to play basketball could kill me, but in my mind, I think I can still beat you. I'm just whacked out. And so when I go play basketball, I just go crazy. I hope, by the way, tomorrow night or something, some of you will play. I just like to play a little while, so I just like to see how bad you can beat me. But I, I, I love to do this. And the other night, I had a basketball game. I play in a church league. And my son, who's 15, had basketball practice. And, and when he left basketball practice, he came over to the church where I was playing, and he watched my game. And we're driving home. He's driving now, so he was driving in the car. And I said, so what would you think of the game, son? Because I go to his games all the time, and I give him an analysis when it's over. And I, so we were driving home. I said, so what would you think of the game, son? He said, Dad, you want to know the truth? I said, yeah, what's the truth? He said, you are the biggest whiner on the basketball court I have ever seen. I said, what do you mean? He said, man, that ref, he ought to just give you like a technical every other second. You are constantly whining about, somebody touched my fingers, somebody pushed me, somebody did this. He said, why don't you just play the game and be quiet? And then he said this, if I was not a saved person I, and I knew who you were, I wouldn't, kinda, I wouldn't want to come hear your sermon. I was like, pull the car up. No, I, 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 uh. <laughs> I said, son, it really looked that way? He said, yeah, dad, it really did. I said, God, you know what's crazy, son? I got such a huge blind spot there, I didn't even see it. I'm sorry, man. I don't want you to sit there at 50 years of age and go, oh, my 40-year-old father. I don't want you to do that, son. I said, I'm going to work on that. And I did last game. I went the whole game without speaking to the ref. Oh, it's a killer, but I made it. And, and, and I want you to know, I want you to know that my son, my son who's 15, 
You know what he wants? Because he said it to me last night. He was at a place where I spoke last night. He said, Dad, when you get up there to speak, I just want to be able to know that everybody there who's ever met you would just go, yeah, I believe this guy's telling the truth. Man, that's cool. And I want to say to you, I want people who, I don't know all the big hot spots in this town. I had Richard's restaurant I saw today, but I don't know all the hot spots are in this town. But, but whenever you're in all those hot spots and people go, you're Indiana Wesley, you know, yeah. And, and maybe they find out you're a Christian and then they say, man, you know what? The way you treated me today here at the restaurant, I can tell there's something different about your life. That's authentic. And when you do screw up like I did with my son, you know all you got to do? Sorry. That was wrong, son. That's why you need to make sure you don't put your eyes on me, son. I tell my kids. When I take them, tuck them in at night, sometimes when I talk to them, he and I are in a sense accountability partners. I'll say to him, son, that's exactly why. Don't ever put me on a pedestal. Don't ever follow me. Follow Christ. Keep in your word because your word will fail you. I mean, your word, the word will not fail you. Your dad will fail you. And I want to say to you today, put your heart and your soul dead in the center of what Christ wants for your life. Don't get caught up in thinking, God, I've got to have, I've got to have this and this and this and this and then I'll be successful. Christ is saying, no, just be an authentic Christian and watch out. I'm going to blow your doors off. God's looking for people who are just dead serious about their faith. And that's what these three Hebrew boys were. They could have faked it. They could have flirted with it. They could have done all that stuff. But you know what they did? They followed what they knew in their heart was the right thing to do. And what's happening right there is what I told you would happen. See, they started here. But if they want to get over there, how are they doing it? One step at a time. And tonight, you know what I love about Christ? I'm standing right here. <laughs> and I don't care who's over Billy Graham somewhere way over there. And then Christ is like a million yards ahead of him. And Christ doesn't look and go, look where you're at, Dan. You're, look where Billy Graham, why can't you get up there where Billy Graham is? Christ doesn't do that. Christ says, hey, Dan, this is where you are right now. I, mean, I love you right here. And, and if you want to take a step, Dan, I, I, hey, I, I don't rush up there. I'm right here. And you know what's really great, Dan? You don't have to get up there right now. It's right, right here's your spot. And, and, and fakers, they get like up to here, and then when they need to, they backpedal. Christ is looking for people who will follow him. Watch this. These guys had a lot of guts. Verse 16 of Daniel chapter 3. He just said to him, Then what God's going to be able to save you? Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when I tell you I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace, who's going to save you then, boys? And uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, uh, O King Nebuchadnezzar, very respectfully, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your hand, O king. Verse 18 is the guts and glory verse. 
This is, oh, all of us like that 17th verse because it's like, yeah, God, if I go out there and plant a church and if I go out there and decide I'm going to be a missionary for you, if I go out there and decide I'm going to be a Christian nurse, if I go into that scientific field and I decide I'm going to be a Christian scientist for you, not that kind of Christian, I'm going to be a Christian scientist for you, then, then God, you're going to make it all sweet and rosy. Yeah, aren't you, God? And then you read verse 18. The boy said, but even, if, but even if God does not spare us, O king, we will not serve your God or worship the image of gold you've set up. Boom. Ooh. Hey, king, um, listen. God could save. If you throw us in there, he can save us. But even if he doesn't, sorry. We're not going to give in. Oh, oh my goodness. I mean, do you know the guts that took? They've heard the story. This dude whacks heads. This dude burns people. This society we live in wants to whack Christian heads. It says we're wacko anyway. They want to burn you, make you look foolish, get you on television on a Raldo, look like a fool. Verse 19, Nebuchadnezzar was furious. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, like he's going to go, hmm, he's furious. Boys, did, did you get, did they say what I think they said, guys? He's talking to his soothsayers and toothsayers and all those. Did, did, he, did they say what I think they just said? Uh, you know, these guys, oh, yes, sir, that's what they said. They're sorry, sir, we're so sorry they said that, sir. We're not on their side. They are idiots, sir. We are right here. You are the man. Like that gold statue. Hoo, 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 hoo. I mean, they're just worse. <laughs> And uh, the Bible says he, his attitude toward them changed. Remember, he had brought them into the kingdom to help serve. Now he's ready to kill them. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. It, the dude's ticked off. I mean, one hot kills you. Two hot, it's quick. Three hot, pssst. yeah. <laughs> seven hot, you get to the edge and you're sizzling. That's what he did. In fact... This, this is real hard for me. Because I'm going to guess that if you served Nebuchadnezzar, you knew that when he said seven times, you're like, don't pick me, king. Don't pick me to throw him in. Because according to the word, when it gets seven times hotter, even the guys who take you up to throw you into the furnace, you die. It's that hot. And, and so I said, did he say seven times? He said seven times. Oh, hope he doesn't call me. No, no, no. And, and, and if you're the family, see, because I always think family, sorry. But, but if I'm a little kid and I'm going, oh, dad, dad, I don't want the king to make you do it today. The king's command, verse 22, was so urgent in the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the men who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up. Sad people going to hell at the hands of a wicked king still happening today Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were tied firmly fell into the blazing furnace then King, Neb, then King Neb verse 24 leaped to his feet in amazement and said to his advisors wasn't it three men we tied up and threw into the fire 
They said, certainly, O king, here again. I mean, they're not going to go, I don't remember. Like, whatever you said, king, if you see a hundred people in there, as far as I'm concerned, you're right. Why? Because they didn't have the guts to follow the true God. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Now he's switching back to the God thing like he did with Daniel. Come out of here, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, perfects, the governors, royal advisors crowded around them. They saw the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched. There was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who have sent his angel, rescued his servants. They trusted him. Look at this. And they defied me. Oh. And then, verse 29, Therefore I decree that the people of my nation, anyone in this, la in this land and language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego, be cut into pieces and their houses turned into a pile of rubble. This guy, in my mind, started the phrase split personality. One morning he wakes up, he's killing everybody that loves God, and he goes to bed killing everybody who doesn't love God. He is all over the stinking place. And we live in a world that's filled with split personality. One morning they wake up, and even nationally, when there's a great disaster, what do they say to us? They say, oh, if you just take a moment today and pray for our nation. And that same afternoon, we have decided today it's against the law to pray in this nation. You want to go... Who's in charge here? We got any consistency here? And in that world, you and you and you and you are asked, listen, not to fake it. And not to flirt with it. And not to flip it off. And there's a lot of other F's. Not to flaunt it. I mean, you're, you're asked to follow Christ. And, and all I've come here tonight to ask is this simple question. If you had to analyze your life right now, what's <laughs> if I could talk to your roommate tonight, oh, yeah. would they say, you're a fake, you flirt, you flip God off, or you follow him? Here's your, here's your big one. This is what you got to do. I have learned that people love you when you follow. Oh, they don't always like you. I think about this last year. I've had chances to speak to people on the street, guys I'm playing ball with, who are taking God's name in vain. And I'll tell them, hey, hey, if you don't mind, man, I'd really like for you to respect God a little more than that. He, he created me, and I kind of like speak for him and stuff. Would you mind not taking his name in vain? I, I, I just ask that much of you. And they'll say, well, who are you? I, I, I just, I love God. Do you mind? I, I always get this response. I'll try, man. No problem. You know why? Because they're looking for something authentic. This year, I... 
I'm going to take you the radical spectrum of what the Lord's let me do in my life. The radical spectrum from that setting to, for those of you who follow it, some of you probably don't care at all, but there's such a thing in this nation called NASCAR racing. It's like drivers and stuff. And, and this last year, they asked me to come speak to the racers right before the race. And I had this privilege of sitting with these guys right with their families and their wives. And after the race, I mean, after we had met there together, Jeff Gordon, who is my favorite driver, Jeff invited me and my son to go in his trailer with him while he got dressed for the race. And I said to him, Jeff, um, you need to work on something, man. I said, last week, Tony Stewart hit you, wrecked your car, and in the pits, you were cursing and stuff, and you proclaimed Christ as your Savior. I said, Jeff, you can't do that, man. Because I know what that's like, and that's exactly what I want to do on the basketball court. But it's not the right thing to do. I, I really want you to take that to the next level. And his wife was there. Her name was Brooke. I said, and you blessed with a beautiful lady here. I want you to be an authentic man. And when you race and when you drive and when you claim the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, stand up for him. And he said, you're right. That's good. <laughs> the, the, Lord, the, the Lord will use you if you'll just be authentic. People are looking for somebody to stand up and say, is there any truth out there? And the Lord is looking for people who will follow him and if he takes you into a hole if he takes you I was in Australia this year in a pit in a slummiest place you can possibly find in the Lord right there let me talk to people about following him he'll take you there and he'll put you in Jeff Gordon's U-Haul trailer where he's changing clothes getting ready for a race but if you'll just follow him there and there and there and be authentic I really believe God will use your life I would have never dreamed I'd have got to go to Australia. I'd have never dreamed I'd get to talk to people about the Lord on the basketball court. I never dreamed I'd have got the opportunities the Lord's letting me have in my life. But wherever he sends me, there's one thing I want people to be able to say about the old boy. He's not a fake. My wife will say to me, Dan, sometimes you tell the truth too much. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, sometimes people don't need to know that you struggle with some of those things. I said, babe, I, I just feel like the Lord wants me to tell people, you don't have to be perfect. The Bible never said you have to be perfect. What the Bible says is you have to be blameless. There's a big difference. Blameless means sometimes you make mistakes, but you bring that before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry. It's a big difference. If you've got to be perfect, let's all give up tonight. Seek perfection, seek to be like Christ, absolutely. It's part of our denomination's teaching. I believe that we need to seek to be perfect in the Lord. But I'm going to tell you something. Let me just remind you, you are still a human. you got human tendencies, you got human weaknesses. And I believe until that moment comes that I cross into eternity, until that moment comes, I believe you're looking at a guy who will continue to make mistakes. We said I didn't have to. I wish my son didn't have to see me act like an idiot the other night on the basketball. I wish that didn't happen. I wish I knew all my blind spots. I wish I could see this and this and this and go, oh, i got to get that out of my life. But until the Lord reveals it to me or until my family corrects me, I'm going to keep working at it. And all I've come here tonight to say to you is, will you join me in taking these step by step? Lord, tonight might, might have revealed one thing to you. Look, 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 you don't have to go there tonight. you got to go here tonight. Oh, and doggone it, I believe he can do it. I believe he can do it. But you got to be 
obedient. That prompting he's putting in your heart right now. He's pointed out a spot in your life. It's just one little thing. Maybe for you guys who are here, you won't look at any more porn on the internet. Be a good start, huh? One step. Maybe you need to seek counsel with your step. Maybe you need to go to the chaplain's office and say, Pastor Gary, give me guidance here. I, I don't know what you need to do, but I'm saying you've got to take one step before you can take the next step. See, I thought when I started ministry, I'd get to jump all the way over there and do all the fun stuff I wanted to do. And what I didn't realize was the Lord's going to take me through some things here where I kind of walked up and back. And there's a few times when I sidestepped and finally we're getting so I can see it. Just sharing my heart with you tonight. Love you. I love you. I want you to know. I, I don't know most of you. Don't know 99.999% of you. But my heart aches to see a generation of students like yourself going, we will rise up and be true, authentic followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, not of man. Do it. Come on. Bow your heads for a moment, if you will. Here's my challenge for you. If you can identify in your life that uh, you've struggled, <laughs> like Dan, okay, like Dan, and uh, you know that there have been times you faked it, times you flirted with it, maybe even some here tonight who have flipped God off because of something you've seen in the past or you didn't like the way your preacher preached or you didn't like that special singer. You got your eyes on the wrong people. There's a Christ. There's a Savior who says, I love you. I can help you look through all that crap and I can help you see me. And tonight, I'm saying to you, will you be willing to be a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? as best you can, not perfectly. But are you willing to seek to stop being fake or all those other things and to be a true follower, following step by step where he wants you to go? Just talking about Christian living, authentic Christian living. If you would like to just use this as a little time of confession, as Todd quietly plays, would you just bring your heart personally before the Lord in these quiet moments and confess yourself in your area of weakness to Him? If you can see in your own life tonight, did you have an area that you've, you've faked it in? I, I want you to do me a favor. I want you just to boldly say, Dan, I, I want to be included in this prayer you're going to close with tonight. I, I'd like for you just to know that the Lord's spoken to me. and I'm going to just be obedient to His Spirit. I, I'd like to just know how many of you relate to what I'm saying tonight as we move through this week. You'd like to grow more in the Lord and you see 
that you've done some of those things and you've not only seen it you've confessed it tonight but you're going to just stand to your feet and say Lord I want to be a follower and if you want to make that statement of faith I'm going to ask you just very quietly without looking around or anything just to stand to your feet and say Lord help me be a true follower do that in these moments Lord, we stand in this place acknowledging that we have failed you. <laughs> we have, we've, we've not been true to what we even desire in our own life. You're aware of that. And what I love tonight, Lord, is you're not mad at us. You just look down in love and you say, here, I, I see you, I got you. I've been wanting to take another step with you all along. Thanks for confessing to me tonight that you can't do it without me. Thanks for seeing that I, I've got a better plan than that one you've been trying to walk or that one you've been stuck in. I'm going to walk with you, I believe the Lord would say to each of us tonight. I'm going to lead and guide you, I believe the Lord would say to us tonight. I, I'm going to help you when you take that step and you, you miss and you slip. I, I see that. And this coming week when you fall into that trap that Satan plans for you, I'm aware, will you just look up at me right away and say, Lord, help me here. Others of you are going to need to, to come along beside another friend who will give you counsel or guidance. And Lord, I pray that each of us would be found obedient to you. I pray that you'd be pleased with your children here. You know, Lord, that you have the plan for us. When I stood like these students years ago, Lord, I would have never dreamed you'd let me do the things you've let me do for you. So I can't imagine what you have in store for these students. And I know what it's going to take. I can see what it's going to take, Lord, because I've had to walk the walk of surrendering everything. It's not fun but it's wonderful. And I pray these students would commit tonight to be authentic followers of Christ. That you would help them, Lord, even tonight to talk to someone about holding them accountable to maybe the commitment they're making. We love you, Father. We thank you for your presence here this hour with us, for the strength to be able to share this message.